0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 97. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 97. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day. Because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Welcome, friends. I'm really excited to talk to you today because today I'm going to be giving you all the details of the Women's March on Washington. So I got to do this last weekend, and it was amazing. It's really, really hard to put into words what the whole experience was like and how meaningful it was and how significant it was and I actually I had to ask some friends to help me because I was like there's so many big words I want to say but I feel like they still don't even begin to touch how incredible the experience was and I have to say that the power of my experience in DC was only amplified by what I saw going on worldwide that day and so you know when I was in it in the middle of the biggest march I thought wow this is huge this is incredible I can't believe this But then, as I was getting on social media later in the day, in that night, and even then the next day, and all of this week, I saw that this was so much bigger than just what I was experiencing in Washington, DC. And that has really continued to impress upon me the magnitude of the event since I was actually at the event. So I had to reach out to some friends who were there with me. Some of them I marched with, some of them I didn't, but just people who were there at the same time and get their input because I'm really having a hard time putting into words exactly what this experience was. So I'm going to share with you today what this experience was for me to march on Washington in the biggest march in recent times, and then also to share what that was like for some of the people that I was there with. And I'm also going to share some of the interesting Feedback I've gotten since the March, and it has not been all rainbows and unicorns. I'll tell you that. So I have so many things to cover and a number of different areas that I want to dive into. So let's go ahead and get started with where it all began. I got on a plane last Friday night at 10:30 p.m. and took a red eye to Washington D.C. And I might have mentioned this in the last week that. I thought taking a red eye sounded like a really fun adventure when I booked it, like I was you know, 21 or something. And then as the week got here, as the day was approaching, I was like, I'm 41. I'm not 21. Why did I book a red eye? And to make it even better, I was in the last row of the plane. So my seat didn't go back. And can we talk to United for just a moment? Hey, United, why in the back row of the plane, when your seat doesn't go back, do you also lose like three inches of leg room? So not only was I in a row where my seat couldn't go back, which I had expected, but there was like significantly less leg room in that row. And I asked the flight attendant, I was like, are you kidding me? And he's like, I know, I don't get it. And I was like, this is crazy. So it was a ridiculously uncomfortable flight because Of that situation. Oh, and I should also mention that the bathrooms in the front of the plane were broken. So people could only use the bathrooms in the back of the plane right behind my seat. And so there was a constant flow of people right there. And then I could hear puppies or dogs crying in the belly of the plane below me all night long. So I mean, It's like this red eye just wanted to laugh in my face the whole time, but I still tried to take it all in stride. And you know what I kept saying? I was like, you know what? I'm traveling by myself. I'm not traveling with a child, so there's no room for complaints. Because when you travel by yourself, it is always a gift, no matter what the circumstances. All I have to do is take care of myself. Like I can get through anything and be just fine because I'm not having to like do this with a child, and that's just so much more stressful. So we got off of our flight. I was flying with my friend Dana. We got off of our flight like 6.30 in the morning and went straight to the hotel where we were staying. We couldn't check into the hotel yet because they didn't have rooms ready at 6.30 in the morning. So we were able to check our bags and then we had to go to the hotel bathroom to get ready with about, I don't know, 20 other women who were doing the same thing. And then from there, we left to go to the march. And so we left, I don't know, probably by like 8.15 or so in the morning or maybe 8.30, I don't know. But a couple hours after landing, we were like en route to the march. And Dana and I decided to, we wanted to meet up with different groups of friends who were there and then we were going to all reconvene. Well, that never happened because of some of the time frames and just the logistics of trying to meet with multiple groups of people in an event that had many, many hundreds of thousands of people. I think the most recent estimate actually has it at over a million people. So there was like no hope of meeting up with Dana once I got to the race or to the, I keep calling it a race because in my mind, these events that fill the streets with people and signs and cheering are races because that's how I've experienced these kinds of things in the past. This was not a race though, this was a march. So I'll keep reminding myself of that. So as we got to the march, it was just apparent that, like there was no meeting up with your friends. You couldn't, there was no cell service. So I knew that Dana and I, I had an agreement that we would just meet back at the hotel if all us failed. And it was clear by 9 a.m. that like that was going to have to be the plan. So I was with my friend Angela – and her good friend Christine, and so Angela's from Seattle. We actually have sons the same age. Our husbands are really good friends. They live really close to us. So it was really fun to be able to experience this with her and go through the March day with her and then with her friend Christine. And Christine lives in DC and actually works in child labor and human trafficking in North Africa. She works against child labor and human trafficking. So it was interesting to get her perspective throughout the day because she, being a DC resident, obviously is exposed to a lot of marches and everyone in DC is fighting for a cause. And I was interested in getting her perspective and she's fighting for such a significant cause against child labor and human trafficking. Like kind of a big deal, right? And I was kind of blown away that like I got to march with someone who works so fearlessly for such a significant cause day in day out. So that was really special to get to know her. And I know she's going to listen to this episode. So Christine, so glad that you are like my march sister for life. Um, It was so fun to meet someone and just have an instant and quick and easy connection that we felt like after a day together, we were like lifelong friends. So it was a really special day between Angela and Christine and I just doing this, being a part of the march, not the race, because I almost said it again, being part of the march all day long. So we get to the march, and it's about to start, and there's a lot of speakers. We knew there'd be a lot of speakers. There was a lot of performers. This had been announced in advance. They'd kind of given a little bit of a lineup, saying that like these are who we're going to hear from. So what was cool is those people were there, but then there was also... Other people, other presenters and performers popped in surprisingly throughout the rally time. So the event schedule that we had received that was that we would have a rally for three hours. And then after this rally, then we would all leave and march together. And so we were going to be marching from this one little area marching toward the White House. And I don't know DC well enough to explain it better than that. But you can go online and look at a map. So and you can see the March exact March route. So we start listening to these speakers during the rally. And they're just like everyone that gets up, you're blown away. Like you have goosebumps and tears and it was a very overwhelming, powerful experience. And on top of that, so you have this like auditory experience, you're hearing these amazing things being said over and over again. But then the visual is all these people carrying signs and people from all walks of life. And it's mostly women, but also a decent amount of men and a decent amount of families. So you just see all sorts of different kinds of people and they're standing for different causes and different messages on their signs that they're carrying. And it was just so much to take in. And it was so cool. And so as we near three hours or so into the rally, like my back is starting to hurt. And at first I thought it was just me. And then Angela was like, no, my back is killing me too. And then we see people in front of us who are like stretching and like taking time to sit down and stuff. So we were actually fortunate enough, we we're able to get kind of on the sidelines of the March route, because Angela had gone to do a press interview related to some of her work here in Seattle. Her and her husband are the founders of Ethan Soul Restaurants. And so we're going to do some press stuff, or Angela's going to be doing some press stuff there. So we were fortunate enough to have this little, be in this little area that wasn't quite so packed in it was still crowded, but not nearly as packed in as the main rally area. And so the main rally area, at one point we tried to cut through there because we thought, oh, maybe we can cut up here and get a little bit of a better view if we can just like quickly push through there. And holy cow. So we walked out to go through the main rally area and People were packed in so tight, it was frightening. And we started to go through and we got stuck at one point. And we kind of looked and we were like, can we push all the way through? We didn't think we could. There was like no path between people at all. You were literally like having to like push people out of your way to get through them, which is you feel kind of like you're being obnoxious. And so at one point, and then we kind of just stopped, like we just kind of couldn't push through the people. And we were like, we are going to be stuck here and we're not going to be able to move. And it was such tight quarters that like literally you were like standing with your arms pinned at your side and you couldn't move. So we decided to go back to where we had been. We were able to kind of work our way back out of this crowd. And we went back and we stayed for the rest of our time at the rally in that area. My friend Dana and her two friends who she was with, they were actually in that big pack for five hours, they could barely lift their arms from their sides. They couldn't bend over, they couldn't sit down, they couldn't use the bathroom, they couldn't get food, they could not get out of the area that they were in because it was so tightly packed. And that was a situation that I was really trying to avoid And I talked a little bit about this with some other people that like, if you're in a really tight pack like that, like if things get rowdy, if things get crazy, even if someone were to have like a medical emergency or something, or pass out just from standing there for so long, no one could get to them because it was such a tight crowd. And it was really the first time that I saw, you know, I've heard before of people saying like, you know, people getting trampled or killed in a concert situation. And I've always thought like, how could that happen? How could no one see it? Or how could no one get help there fast enough? I totally got it after being part of this March crowd, that when you're packed in like that with so many thousands of people, that if someone has a medical emergency, there's no way to get help to them. There's no way to transfer messages. There's no way to get in and out of the crowd. I mean, it was really very interesting to watch. And it was a little bit tense for me like I didn't want to be in that situation just if something were to go sideways but for many people at the march there was no other option like once they were in that crowd they couldn't get out and many of them stayed for five hours so because we had been kind of on this little sideline area we were able to at about the three and a half hour mark when we thought we were already supposed to be marching because we were told the rally would only be three hours and three hours felt like a really long time so at three and a half hours we'd heard many, many speakers, the messages were all amazing. But when you continue to hear very similar messages over and over, they start to feel a little bit diluted. And when you're starving and you have to pee, the messages get a little even more diluted. And so we decided we were like, we're going to walk over down towards where we think the March route is. And we're going to try to go over there and see if we can use the bathroom and do some things and just kind of see what's going on. So we start making our way in that direction. And at this point, people are getting a little restless because they had said the rally was going to be three hours. And now we're at three and a half hours. People are uncomfortable. Like that's a very long time to stand. It's actually fairly cold outside when you're not moving. So it wasn't like horrible winter conditions, but because we weren't moving, it was fairly cold. Although those people that were packed in were plenty warm because I'm telling you, when you were in the packed areas, you did get a lot of body heat. So we decided to move out of our area. We find bathrooms. We actually found they had food trucks. So we went to like a no line food truck and we still waited, I think like 40 minutes or something for food. Like, so most people did not eat or pee that entire day. And my friend Dana told me later that day, she was like, I had a bar in my pocket. That's like the only food that we ate the whole day. She said that they never peed. Like she never peed the whole day. So I don't know what people did who actually were like in that crowd and had to pee. I guess, I don't know if they peed themselves. I don't know what they did. So the people that were in the main, part of the rally who could not get out. They were there for five hours. What happened in that five hours is amazing speakers, amazing performances, surprise performances by Alicia Keys, by Madonna. Madonna came out. I missed that because that's that happened when we were over and getting our food and lots of other speakers. Michael Moore gave a great speech. I'm trying to think of who else we saw speak who was um, Ashley Judd gave a really passionate powerful speech. Who else? There was other so there's some other celebrity speakers, none of whom come to mind right now. I will say Senator Harris from California was amazing. She was one of my favorites. And then there was little Sophie Cruz. And I'm going to talk about Sophie Cruz a little bit later in this episode because of something that Angela shared with me. So I'll hold off on that. But she was a six-year-old who presented, who was a speaker at this event, and she blew everyone away. And that was probably my most tearful moment. And then there was other people. There was a woman who had been incarcerated for over 20 years, and she got up and she shared a little bit of her story. There was you know, Muslim-American women who got up and shared their stories. There was all sorts of people from different backgrounds getting up and talking about what their experience had been to be a woman in different parts of American culture. So it was really, really fascinating. So at three o'clock, the march begins. And I will say, and you'll hear when I talk about Christine's experience in a little bit, you'll hear like, we were a little weary at that point. Luckily, we had gotten. Actually, I would say our weariest point was probably around 1:30 to 2 p.m., where we hadn't had any food. We had to go to the bathroom. Like no one was moving anywhere, so we didn't even know what to do. We didn't know when the march was going to start. And the march had an app that had a forum, and there was a lot of like very confusing things being posted on the forum that were like the crowd's too big, the march has been canceled. And then the next person would be like, "There's people spamming the site saying that the march is canceled, and it's not." And so like we didn't even know we were like, is the march canceled? Is it not canceled? Like there was kind of all this conflicting information. But what we could see once we got to that food truck and could see beyond the rally area, we could see that, you know what, this march is happening no matter what. I think it's likely that the city tried to stop the march because it was so much bigger than they expected. And they didn't have the street capacity to handle the crowds. But too many people had already descended upon the city, and they couldn't really turn them away. There was too many people. So what ended up happening is the march route, which was supposed to be like one street, ended up being three different streets running parallel to each other, packed as far as the eye could see in any in either direction. And then three streets ended up marching, and people just kind of filtered. in over the course of a few hours, people filtered from the rally into the march route on multiple streets and ended up going from there toward the White House and then That all took hours and hours and hours. So we started marching a little earlier than before the march actually, or right at the very beginning of the march, I guess, at about three. We had been marching a little bit before that. And then we actually heard that the march was like technically starting, even though a lot of people had already started marching because I think they just needed to move. So we started at three and we marched for a couple hours and... I think, I mean, the march itself was like, maybe a mile and a half, like it wasn't a ton of miles, but it took you a couple hours just to get through the crowd. Um, You were moving at a slow pace. And what was cool as that was happening is that there was all sorts of like, there was chanting and people talking to each other and making friends and taking pictures. And it was just this amazing, amazing show of solidarity. And, you know, people were marching for a million different reasons. And some of it was very, you know, pro women's rights and pro choice and funding Planned Parenthood. And there was a lot of stuff that was like all about women's rights. And then there was also some stuff that was anti the new administration. And it's kind of an interesting mix, because I think that there was an assumption that this was like a big, you know, anti Trump event, and it really wasn't. There were certainly some pieces of that there where people were like speaking out against some of the stuff about the current the new administration. But I didn't feel like that was the overwhelming purpose of the march. And I think that that was maybe a little bit misrepresented by some people who didn't fully understand what the march was about and and some things that I saw in the media. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. So you're marching with people and you just feel like you're marching with thousands of your closest friends. And I will say one of my closest friends was there. His name is Macklemore. And I did get to march with him for a while. So if you don't already know, I'm kind of in love with Macklemore. And he's from Seattle. And he actually ended up, Angela noticed him. He was kind of incognito and trying to be incognito, I think But Angela noticed him and she said hi to him. She actually knows him through some of her work. And so they said hi and talked for a couple minutes. And so we ended up marching for a little while with Macklemore, which was one of the exciting moments of the day. I won't say it was, you know, it wasn't the most exciting moment of the day. It wasn't like the thing I was there for, but it was a cool perk for sure. So that was really fun. So as we got through the march, I mean, we were just kind of, once we started marching, we felt like, you kind of felt like at the rally, you were like taking in information and you were inspired and you were excited, but you like really wanted to just go march. You were so, these speakers got you so fired up. You were like, let's just go march. So when we finally started marching, it was like, oh my gosh, we're doing it. This is it. And it was just this phenomenal, overwhelming experience of show of solidarity of like love and respect and like consideration for women everywhere. It was really, really powerful. And I loved seeing the men out there, the men, the signs that they were holding just like blew me away over and over again. Men standing up as feminists and just really, really cool stuff. The kids and the families were just adorable. One of my favorite posters, I saw this little boy, and he was in a group of people, they're probably like around 10 years old, and they were all wearing rainbow tutus and rainbow knee high socks. And this little boy is holding this sign that says my twin sister should have the same should have equal rights as me. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, can I take your picture? And he goes, Oh, yeah, he goes, let me bring my sister over here. And then she had her sign that was a Dr. Seuss quote, which was very cool. And you can see by the way, all my pictures are over on Facebook. So if you go to the shameless mom Academy on Facebook, I posted all my March pictures over there. So you can see those I posted them on last Wednesday, I think. So they're all over there. If you want to and go check them out. So to see that kind of support and like little kids with a message and a cause and like was just really, really cool. So that was really fun as well. We got towards the end of the March route and we were able to get up on the bleachers from the inauguration were still up. And so we were able to climb up those bleachers and take pictures of people. And that's where you could just see like vastness of this. It was just a sea of people in, in their pink pussy hats, which was amazing. There was just pink hats for as far as the eye could see in any direction. It was so cool. And we went up on the top of these bleachers that want to take pictures and this woman came up to take pictures as well. And she turns to us and she goes, you guys, we're doing this again next Saturday, right? And we were like, yes, like can we just do this every Saturday? Cause it was such a cool experience. It was such an empowering feeling to just feel like we're all in it together. Like we're all here. We're to support each other, we're gonna be here for each other, like nothing can take us down. And that's how strong it felt. And that's how kind of invincible people felt in that crowd. And there was not one, we did not see one protester the entire March route. That's not the same as what the inauguration saw. The inauguration, in spite of alternative facts, the inauguration was poorly attended. And I got to talk to many Lyft and Uber drivers about this over the course of the weekend. They didn't drive a lot on Friday. So the inauguration was not only much more poorly attended, but there was protesters there. There was no protesters to our march. There maybe were a few Trump supporters standing on the sidelines watching, but they were not harassing in any way at all. So that was another really, really powerful part that it was such a peaceful, considerate demonstration that there was like, there was no infighting, there was no negativity, there was, there was nothing, there was not a moment that we felt anything unsafe or uncomfortable. So that was really cool. So at the end of the March, we were able to meet up with some other friends. We had drinks in the hotel lobby at one of the new Marriott's in DC. And this really cool thing happened by the end of the night. So at the end of the night, we're getting ready to leave. And there's these two guys in the bar wearing Trump hats. They're the only visible Trump supporters in the bar. There's probably I don't know, like 100, 150 people in this bar lobby, having drinks and just kind of and getting food and just kind of like settling down from the day. And at one point, we kind of crossed paths with these guys once before, because there'd been this young boy, I say young boy, who's probably like 14 or 15. He had been in there. And he was clearly, I believe, like very religiously indoctrinated. And he was trying to come share his knowledge with us and trying to share with us like why the nasty women movement is so offensive. And he was definitely doing a little proselytizing and his brother was there watching him and we think that he was like in training and it was a very interesting scene. So these two Trump supporters while that was happening had gone over to talk to security about this you know, this young boy. And so security had come over and said like, "Hey, if you're going to be in the lobby, like you can't be walking around harassing people. You need to you can come over here and sit and wait for your ride." He was waiting for his family. And we later found out he was waiting for his limo to take him to the family's private jet to take them back to, we thought, Israel or something along those lines. The story was a little unclear, but it was like it was a very interesting situation. So these two Trump supporters had talked to security about this boy kind of trying to work the room. And one of my friends I was with had gone over and just said, hey, thanks a lot for like helping manage that situation. And they were really nice about it. And so then when they went to leave at that time, a lot of the crowd had cleared out of this bar lobby. And so when the two Trump supporter guys went to leave, and they were both wearing hats. So that's how we knew they were Trump supporters. One was wearing a red hat, one was wearing a blue hat. So when they went to leave, we said, we kind of just waved bye to them and again said like, thanks for helping out with that situation earlier. And I can't remember, like someone asked a question. I think one of the women in my group said like, hey, can I just ask you something? And we were like, we don't want to have like a angry defensive conversation at all, but like they just wanted to clarify something among Trump voters or something. And so the guys, we ended up sitting inviting them, like, would you sit down for a minute? Would you mind? And we had this amazing conversation. And it turns out that one of the guys is an emergency room doctor in San Diego. He voted for Obama the last two elections and then voted for Trump this election, which was even more fascinating to us. And then the other guy is in the restaurant industry and owns restaurants in multiple states. So he was I was actually with a lot of people from the Seattle restaurant industry at that point. So they were able to talk about different things. It was a fascinating conversation, and we actually learned so many things. And one of the things the doctor was saying is he said, you know, I... Spend so much of my practice, so much of my time treating women who come across the border to have babies in the United States because that gives them citizenship. And he's, I'm not obligated to treat them, but ethically, I would never turn them down. But it interferes with my ability to treat our own citizens because our ER gets like overrun with women seeking labor and delivery in the States, essentially, which. Was an extremely interesting perspective to me, and it's very eye opening when you hear someone's story like that in someone's situation where they come from, where you can start to kind of see like I understand maybe where you would have a very different view on immigration than someone like me who lives way up north in Seattle, Washington, in an extremely liberal city who is not impacted by border situations like that at all. Um, So it was really, really interesting, really enlightening, and just this extremely respectful conversation. At the end of the conversation, we talked with them for a while. At the End of the conversation we said can we take a picture with you guys and we ended up like trading hats so they put on pink pussy hats and we put on Trump hats and we took a picture with our group of friends and they just could not have been more pleasant we it was a really nice way to end the day so that was kind of one of the highlights for me i think is having things kind of come full circle in that way and ending in a way where it felt like not only can you like stand for what you stand for but you can also Hear other people's side of it, which I'm just feeling like is so hard to do right now in the scene of social media. And so to have that person, that in person conversation, and be a part of that was really, really cool. So I asked, when I was putting together information for this episode, I asked a few friends to share what they had experienced. And so I, four friends who were at the march in Washington, I only marched with two of these four people, but I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of their input in here, let you know what they thought of the situation and kind of what their highlights were. So I'm going to start with Christine. So Christine, I've already mentioned, she works in DC against child labor and human trafficking in North Africa. So a extremely significant cause and so important. So, she had already attended the March for Women on Washington in 2004. And, like I said, she lives in DC. So, she said, you know, like another march was sometimes like it gets a little weary to have march after march after march in Washington. But she said that she was proud to be there in 2004 and she was proud to be doing this again, but angry that she was still having to march for the same things like 13 years later. And, like, really, we're still marching for women's rights? (laughs) Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, how are we possibly still here? But also she acknowledged marching for the gains that have already been made for Americans, for gains made for Americans' workers for paid leave and a raise in the minimum wage, marching for immigrant rights like her husband, who is a Muslim, marching for our children and our children's future, marching for our barely adequate health care, but at least we have health care, but marching for the barely adequate health care that we had secured through the Obama administration. Marching against corporate interests, especially the oil companies, and then just being able to connect with new people throughout the march process. So, those things were all really significant to her. She did go on to say, and she emailed this to me that, like, after hearing a lot of the speeches and talks, we did start to get a little bit weary and we did start to just want to get moving and we needed to pee and we needed to eat. So, getting through that was kind of like this little turning point of the day where it was like, okay, like, we're getting tired, we're getting uncomfortable, we need to move. And then we broke through that and we broke into this like amazing experience and so when she talked about that and kind of after the like refuel of peeing and eating you begin to see the masses of passionate faces witty signs pink pussy hats as beacons of love is what she said she suddenly felt this first wave of calm since everything that had happened in the election and acknowledgement that fellow Americans truly do care that they are active and that they're showing up and this giant mass of people as long as the eye can see smiling back at each other with love and hope which is seriously how it was like every time you bump someone You're like, oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. And everyone was just like, no, 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 you're good. You're fine. Like all day long, you have these conversations with people just like, because you're constantly bumping people, but just these little tiny moments of contact that really made you feel connected. And also, Christine acknowledged that if we can hold on to this, then maybe in holding on to each other, we can hold back the terror of ignorance and fear that the current administration is really, really trying to impress upon us. And maybe that we can make it through the next four years without compromising our integrity and hopefully begin taking daily actions, which was such a big point in the rally of taking daily actions to ensure gains are made for humanity and for our environment as we move through this administration. So that was Christine's take on it. Angela, when I asked her her favorite moments, she said that her most powerful moment was when we were standing up on the bleachers looking down Pennsylvania Avenue, and she saw the sea of people as far as we can see in any direction, knowing that the exact same sea of people was on two adjacent streets, filling the whole downtown area of D.C., and at the same time, people were marching through the streets of our city in Seattle and across the country realizing that the significance of that made her presence and her voice feel heard and it felt so empowering to be part of something bigger than herself. And then she mentioned little Sophie Cruz. I'm probably, I'm like tearing up just thinking about little Sophie Cruz. So I'm gonna put a link to this video. This is Sophie Cruz's speech. It's a three minute speech where she talks. First, she says it in English and then she says it in Spanish. Sophie Cruz is a six year old daughter of undocumented immigrant parents and undocumented parents are slightly terrifying. Sophie and her sister, her sister's a citizen. I'm not sure if Sophie is or not. I'm not sure if she was born here, but her sister is a baby and a citizen. So Sophie gets up and actually I did a little bit of research on Sophie. So she actually is at six years old, the winner of the Define American Award for Activist of the Year. At six, you guys. So you have to go watch the speech. She speaks like an eloquent adult and she's six. And she's talked about what Angela mentioned is the moment that she told the other little kids to let us fight with love and not be afraid because we are not alone. (laughs) And that's when Angela said I lost it. No, I'm losing it. Just reading her words. So yeah, that's like the moment where I think, and that was at a time in the rally too, where we were like, okay, I'm getting a little tired. I'm ready to move. I'm a little uncomfortable. And then this little six year old gets up on stage, and you're like, you know what? I'm not so uncomfortable. I think I'm good. Like, I think I can push through these moments of discomfort because, wow, like Sophie Cruz and her family, they have a lot of fear and they have every right to, but they're not letting that shut them down. They're not hiding behind that. They were all on a stage. She was on a stage with her whole family. They are not hiding from their situation they are fighting and they are showing up and they're marching and they're being heard. So my friend Dana, who I flew down with and spent the rest of the weekend with, she told the story and she told it a few times over the course of the weekend as we were with different people. And every time it was like a goosebump moment. So her favorite moment of the march was seeing this little grandma being pushed in a wheelchair. She was somewhere in her 80s or 90s and making sure that as she was being pushed in her wheelchair, that her feet were hitting the ground so that she was literally physically marching to the best of her ability. She wasn't just letting someone push her through the crowd. She had her feet on the ground. She was hitting the pavement. She was pounding the pavement with the rest of us, which I just love how meaningful and significant that is as a story, but also what that must have felt like for her. It was so, so great. Dana said she was so fierce and so inspiring. Then I have my friend Beth. So Beth's favorite moment, this is my last little share here. So Beth is one of my colleagues here in Seattle. She's the owner of Running Evolution. So we do, we sometimes collaborate on fitness related things in Seattle. So Beth talked about just being in such a crowd and not feeling a tiny ounce of fear was so amazing for her. But she talked about walking by the US Treasury Office and seeing the faces of the white men on the building on the 10, 20 and $50 bills, and they're on huge banners. And then next to them is Harriet Tubman, who's now on the $20 bill. And I didn't was not part of this because this chant did not happen when I was there. So I was so excited to hear the story. So as they're walking past that building, they're walking past all of these men's faces on the building. People start chanting Tubman, Tubman, Tubman. And the sounds are echoing off these historic buildings, like our forefathers were repeating it back to the people. So, oh, Beth, that gives me goosebumps. And thank you to Beth and Dana and Angela and Christine for sharing those moments because we all got to see and experience different things, even if we were right next to each other or if we were separated in the masses. So it was really cool to get their input and hear what was most meaningful to them.
1: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this
3: time of year, parenting can be such a fluster klux. You've come to the right place.
0: I got back and I posted my pictures and I had all sorts of comments and like all this love. Like, I kind of had felt like I'd gone off and saved the world. And what was amazing is how many people like thanked me for going. And I mean, like above and beyond, I did not expect thanks. I did not like, I felt like I kind of did my thing for me. Like, I had a, like relatives texting me saying, like, thank you for what you're doing. And we're so excited and proud and impressed and blah, 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 which was all so kind and so lovely. But I didn't expect people to thank me. And it was, Powerful to receive those messages. So thank you for all the love and support. I really, really appreciate it. But I certainly didn't expect all of that. So when I got back, I posted pictures on Facebook and people again are being like, thankful and just loving the pictures and loving the signs. And some of them are funny. And some of them were more deep and meaningful. And there was one sign, which this is still like, I love this sign. This woman who was carrying a sign that said, Mike Pence makes me gayer. And I was like, yes. And these are the kinds of picture signs like you see throughout the day. And you're just like, oh, stop for a minute. I have to take your picture. And literally like people are just asking to take each other's pictures all day with their signs. So I asked to take this woman's picture. She says, yes, if you want to see the picture, it's, I think it's, I don't remember if I put it up on the Facebook page. I think it's on the Shameless Mom Facebook page. If it's not, it's on my personal Facebook page over at Sarah Sutherland Dean. So this woman has this sign. I have it up on Facebook on my personal page. And someone said something along the lines of like, this is all really nice and everything, but I don't really see how this kind of a message brings us closer together. And I was like, Oh, hmm, that's interesting. And it was like the first comment that I'd seen where someone wasn't supportive. And I was like, Well, that's fine. I don't know, maybe they're not pro gay rights, which actually completely rubs me the wrong way. But I'm like, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know. Maybe they just think it's divisive to like talk bad about the current administration. I don't know. So I thought about it for a minute before I replied, because when I see stuff like that, I get very knee jerk. So I was like, okay, I need to just take a minute. So then I went back and I was like, I actually, I think her point is that Mike Pence's views make her want to stand up for who she is and makes her want to be who she is more loud and proudly so that other people feel protected by that. Like she wants to make her voice heard so that people in the LGBT community will not feel persecuted and will not feel like their rights are going to be jeopardized by the current administration. So in my mind, that's what that sign meant. That sign meant that like, I'm going to be even more loud and proud and gay than I have ever been before, because there has never been a time where it's been more important. That's what it meant to me. So then shortly after that, I actually saw multiple posts. I only engaged in one conversation, but I saw multiple posts from people and not like a ton of posts, but just a few here and there from people in different communities that I'm a part of that said like, you know, it's really nice that some women got together and did this march, but I didn't really understand like why. And I didn't really understand like the underlying or the unifying message. It just seemed kind of unclear what exactly they were marching for. Okay. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So what was interesting is a person posted this on Facebook. It's his personal page. He posted, he said, you know, I've been raised by strong women. I've seen women who have like made amazing lives coming from places of, you know, significant challenges and significant, like, you know, lack of resources. I've seen women go from like homeless to millionaire and things like that. So like, and I totally agree. There are, many, many women who have made amazing, amazing lives. And there's no reason that women can't continue to do those things. So I see his point. And I also see he did a really nice job acknowledging his mother, who is a very strong woman in his life, and who had, you know, really overcome some adversity to get where she was. And so fantastic. So he said, he said, I I don't understand. So he's like, I don't really understand what the women were marching for. And I also don't understand why it looked like there was a lot of anger behind the movement. So I commented, and I said, well, I'm really sorry that you interpreted anger behind that because I was actually in DC and there was like zero anger. There was no anger. It was just women marching in solidarity for women's rights and for like, you know, LGBTQ rights and like all these other things, reproductive rights. It was like very positive. It wasn't an angry march at all. So then he goes on to say, I think I just left it at that. So then he goes on to say, I was actually just at an event yesterday with 300 women entrepreneurs who were all extremely successful. He's like, I just don't see how women are being held back in any way anymore. And that's where I kind of lost it. So I kept it like very cordial, but I was like, okay, so like, I can't just leave that. And so I was like, oh, again, like, that's great that, you know, you were with these women, these 300 amazing women. I'm sure they're all really fantastic. They're actually probably, I didn't say this, but I was thinking like, they're actually probably women who I would love to hang out with. But here's the thing about 300 women. I had to do some research because, you know, I love some good number crunching. So in 2014, there was 125.9 million women. So that's fantastic that someone got to spend a day with 300 women who are really successful, who have made their lives, you know, who have come from all sorts of backgrounds to live the American dream. 300 women out of 125.9 million women it's a negligible amount of the population. It's such a tiny amount. And that's not to say that there's not many, many more than 300 people. But I thought, you know, to say like, but I know these 300 women who are so successful, like that is no depiction of where women stand today. And that's an ignorant thing to say. And to say that, like, well, I just know all these women who have come from really from struggles, you know, to make it on their own. That's fantastic. But the reality is, there's a lot of ways that women are still being oppressed. And it's so subtle that a lot of people, women included, don't notice or think it's an issue. So I had to do a little bit more research because we have an opportunity here. We have an opportunity within this march, within the biggest movement ever in U.S. history in terms of marches around the world, in terms of one group marching for one cause. We have an opportunity here to be seen as equal more than ever before in most circles. And we already do in most senses, we already are seen as equal. I totally agree. And I think that that's what what this guy was saying is that like, as far as he's concerned, he doesn't see it happening. So I understand because I don't see sexism happening. I don't feel limited by sexism. I don't feel limited by my gender. But I also understand that that doesn't mean it's not happening. I understand that I am in the minority, that I don't have any limitations on me because I have maybe a different understanding because I've decided to be an entrepreneur, because I've decided to push myself in different ways than other people. And that does not make me any better than anyone else, but I've just been exposed to different things. And so I feel an unlimited amount of possibility in my life. That is not the norm. That is not what the masses feel in our country. And a lot of women don't feel oppressed but they still get paid less than men. A lot of women don't feel oppressed, but they still can't take paid maternity leave. So just because someone doesn't feel oppressed over something doesn't mean it's not happening. And it is happening. And so what is actually happening, and this is good for those of you who have people saying, like, I don't really understand the march. I don't really understand, like, what are women really fighting for? Well, here's the truth. The truth is that we don't have full rights over our own bodies. We are losing, more likely going to lose them as this administration goes on. We're going to lose more and more rights we for sure don't feel safe walking around certain areas at certain times of day. I don't feel comfortable going running in the dark in Seattle. So right there, like my husband doesn't think at all about going running by himself at 630 in the morning. Like there is no reason for him to feel like he needs to take mace. He needs to take our dog. He need like no issues. He doesn't need to worry about staying on the well lit streets or whether or not he has headphones in. These are all things I have to think about before I walk out my door to go running at 630 in the morning. I have to think like, what am I carrying? What route am I taking? Do I listen to my headphones? Is that going to put me at danger? Do I go by the zoo park? There's a zoo right by us. Do I like do I go by the park where there's a lot of bushes where I could be like pulled in? And granted, my mind gets a little carried away sometimes, but still, like, I do think of these things, and these are things that need to be thought of. Women don't have paid maternity as almost all other developed nations have. We do not have paid maternity leave. Women, at one time or another, nearly 100% of us have dealt with some sort of harassment, whether it's been catcalling, body shaming, flippant comments on your body or your looks or your clothing choices. Things like, well, she should definitely not be wearing that. And you know what? It's not just men saying those things, women say them too. We oppress each other because it's so acceptable to make these flippant comments and to have these kinds of attitudes towards women's bodies. We do it within our own population. So sexism is not only alive and well between males and females, but it's actually alive and well in the way that women treat other women. Our daughters in the United States are first and foremost acknowledged for being beautiful and wearing pretty dresses. Raise your hand if you have a little girl and the first thing that someone says when they meet them is, wow, you are so beautiful. Or look at your pretty dress. I really love you look like a princess. And those little girls love hearing that because they're told that that's like the best thing you can be told. No one goes up to little girls to say like, wow, look at the Lego tower you just built. I shouldn't say no one. Some people probably do. But by and large, when people meet little girls, the first thing they comment on is a physical appearance or their clothing. That does not happen with little boys. When people talk about little boys, they talk about he jumps off of everything and he's he's strong and he's powerful and he's loud and he's like he does like they talk about all the ways he's powerful. Think about you hear people talk about little boys in ways that show them as powerful and think about the ways that we talk about little girls as just being like subdued princesses. <laughs> Women in upper management This is according to CNN in 2015. I did research you guys. So I have like, I can give you links if you want them. So according to CNN in 2015, women in upper management only accounted for 14% of upper management jobs in this country. So 86% of these jobs were held by men, 14% by women. 4% of the CEOs in Inc. 500 companies in 2016 were women, according to Fortune magazine. 4%. That means... That 96% of CEOs in Inc. 500 companies were men. We rank 45th in the world for women's equality. When you put together, there's like multiple scales that they use to rank this. We rank behind Cuba, behind Rwanda, behind Jamaica, and behind the Philippines. And we're a developed nation. In terms of pay, women. In the U.S., white women make 82 cents on the dollar compared to men. Black women make 65 cents on the dollar. Hispanic women make 58 cents on the dollar. So this averages out to 68 cents on the dollar that women make compared to men. And I will put a link in the show notes today if you want to look at the article that I got that information from because it was from a really interesting article about the race gender wage gap. Women stay in unhappy and often abusive relationships because they see themselves as subservient. They can't find their way out. They sometimes feel like they can't get out safely, and oftentimes they legitimately can't get out safely. They're still raised to be subservient or to think that they can't make it on their own. So this guy who went to this great event with 300 women who made it big, that's fantastic for those 300 women. But there are millions of women who are struggling in this country because of very overt and very subtle sexism that is all over the place. So I don't say this to mean that all hope is lost. And I just pointed out for those of you who maybe you're someone who was like, I don't really understand this whole March thing, or maybe someone in your life didn't really get it. These are things that you can say back to them. These are things that you can explain that like, not only is this what's, already what things are like, but all of these things are destined to get a lot worse in the next four years based on the first week of this administration. So when we look at why women are marching and why it's so significant and why this show of solidarity is so important, it's because these are the things that we're marching for. We're marching to improve what we already have. We already have some great things. Let's make that better so that we truly do have equal rights. But then also like, please, for the love, can we not take 10 steps back and to go back, like, you know, a century or more in terms of how we view women's ability to contribute to society and how we value women in society. So, what I see coming from all this is we are speaking up, we're joining causes, we're marching and joining meetup groups. People are contributing in any way that they can. I told you that my mom's friend sent me $50 to go yell at Trump. People are making hats, you know people all over the world were making these pink pussy hats and mailing them to people. No one was charging money for them. People weren't selling. I mean, maybe somewhere here and there people were selling them. But like all of them that I saw, it was like friends of friends making them and like, hey, I'm going to make 10. Like, can you give them out to people? This was like this people contributing in any way that they could just to be part of something because they wanted to show their support if they couldn't actually be there to march. We see our kids seeing us standing strong and that they love that their moms are being strong and powerful. What a message that is for you, for your children. When they see like, oh, my mom, like she's standing up for herself. She's a good self advocate. Like my mom is really strong. My mom is like, this is our opportunity to really show our kids what we're doing. I know that one of my clients sent me a great an email with pictures of her little girls holding march signs, and she said, you know, we didn't go to the march. The logistics of going to the march with three little girls, five and under, was just too much of a headache here in Seattle, which we had a think 130 thousand people at our march. But she said we went up to one of the parks near us, and we had our signs, and we like walked around the park with our signs, and we took some pictures with our signs. And like that was their, that was what their family could do. That's totally enough. Like nothing is too small. So you don't have to do these like grand scale things. You don't have to get on a plane and fly on a horrible red eye across the country. Like I did. Like you can do things that are more appropriate and suitable to you. And that's totally fine. So people are standing up. There was a global movement last week, global, huge, like people in France, hundreds of thousands of people in Europe marched for us for American women. So to anyone in Europe, thank you so much. Much appreciated. I would love to think that if Americans ever had the opportunity to march for you that we would. And I have to say, honestly, I'm kind of blown away by the global support. And I would love to think that we would do the same. And I'm not sure that we would. I I was kind of blown away. I said that to my husband. I was like, wow, like, does our country march for other countries? I'm not sure if we do. I think that we did during Vietnam. I'm not sure that we have since, so it also I feel like is an opportunity for us to like look at other things that we stand for on a global level. like what are we doing in terms of how are we supporting people in Syria right now? things like that like I've actually been thinking a lot about that this week. In fact, we've decided that like we would really love to when we donate all of our baby stuff, which is going to be a significant thing at some point in the near future, probably. That we would love to donate all of our baby stuff to a Syrian refugee family, because it would be like one little thing that we could do to help someone else who is so impacted by some of the global atrocities going on. So my overarching feeling after everything in the last week and after having such an amazing experience at the Women's March in Washington is that this is hopeful This is positive and this is powerful. There's so much power and solidarity. So for everyone who's listened to my experience over the last couple of weeks as I've talked to you before the March and now after and who's followed me on social media and sent messages and sent love, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then to my fabulous, adoring friends, um, I love you so much, Angela, Christine, Dana, and Beth. Thank you for sending in your information to help contribute to this episode. And to all the women and mamas out there, no matter what you're doing, keep doing it, find ways that you can be heard, find ways that you can do little things here and there. There's no shortage of action steps that take just minutes a day or minutes every other day or whatever you can squeeze in. And as we move forward, continue to do what you can as you can, let yourself get a little bit uncomfortable. And no matter what you do, make sure you do it shamelessly. If this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, please join us every Monday and Wednesday for new episodes. You can subscribe to this podcast by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review and clicking on the subscribe button. I can't wait to have you back here in a couple days for the next episode of the Shameless Mom Academy.